0: Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. All right. Hey, James. It's a, it's great to meet you. Uh, looking forward to seeing where our conversation goes today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Luke. Uh, it's good to, to line it all up. And uh, yeah, excited to get into it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So where
0: are you today? I see some like palm tree-esque things in the background there.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm at home. So Sydney, Australia is is where I live, it's where I grew up. Um, it's where my family is. It's yeah, it's it's home. And uh, yeah, it's the uh, I guess early summer. So or middle of summer now. So it's been it's been nice behind us Christmas, New Year's, and you know, family time. But also juggling a fair bit of coaching this time of year because longer days, been more holidays. So it's been busy. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Nice. What uh, what are the conditions
0: like at this time of year and in, in where you're living in Oz?
1: Uh it's warm, I guess. So like, you know, the temperature pretty much this time of year is around, you know, probably low twenties to mid thirties is kind of the, the, the very vari- variability. Um, we've got a northeasterly breeze today, so it's like our standard sea breeze. Nicer weather, normally northeasters. And then we get southerly fronts that'll come through every it's hard to say exactly, but normally once a once a week, there'll be a southerly front that comes through. Cools the temperature down, wind direction changes, and then as this front goes past, the, the wind swings back around to the northeast, to the northeast, and then another front will come through. So it's been... Um, where this we've, we've had a southerly like two or three days ago. It was east yesterday. northeasters are back today, and looks like we'll have two or three days of nor'easters and then southerlies later in the week. So it's just kind of fun for downwinders because you can... Do it. Leave your car northeast, and then go back in the sub elite, like the day after, if you don't need your car, which is, you know, not not standard for everywhere in the world, I guess. Yeah, no, there's like, that's exploding, and there's
0: only there's some spots that are definitely better than others. But I was reading up a little bit on you, and you've done some you've done some pretty cool things in, in that space. M two o win this year um but before we get into that um can we talk a little bit about how you found wind in the first place how you found water obviously you were born there so you probably got this cracking pretty early
1: yeah so i guess growing up my both my mom and my dad both surfed and uh like i guess any um some of the mom and dad who surfs they get you out in the water as well um i'm doing yeah. that with my son too so you get exposure to them and uh, my parents didn't really pushed it upon me they sort of showed me what was there and and then it was just like one of those family activities we did so you know surf school as a, as a kid and then we used to used to surf for my dad and mom and whole family surf trips up and down the coast um and then as i got older dad did a bit of windsurfing so he sort of took us out on the local lake catchy where i just took my son um on the lake and he taught us how to windsurf just on big boards you know big sort of light wind windsurfing um nice. and then we'd go to we'd go to maui a fair bit because my dad had a few friends who they do like a yearly trip over there in, Ju- in july and so basically got into windsurfing that way and then kite surfing came along and so we all learned to kite surf um and did a lot of kite surfing trips with with my family to like Northwestern, WA, um, joined to Thailand one time uh, for kiting and yeah, ma- mainly Hawaii to be honest with, with the main trips. But um, sort of the so wings, Maui in particular, the wing sport mecca, you know. So um, yeah, kind of grew up with it, but it wasn't really until I was in like my teenage years that I was really doing like the wing sports on my own.
0: Okay, that's pretty good. You know, one thing I've always been amazed with, like people who live in warm countries, because we're in the cold and snow here most of the time. So we escape to the warm. So I always thought that people from the warm would escape to the cold for some different, but they (laughs) they normally don't. (laughs) So I was like, huh, that's always, it's, anyways, sidetracked. But I was always fascinated by that point because people from Hawaii, like my friends, will go to Bali for vacation. They won't go to like Switzerland
1: or somewhere cold. But, anyways. Yeah. I think it kind of comes down to the cost, <laughs> you know. Yeah, snow okay. trips are pretty expensive, you know. Yeah, whereas that's true. Parts for the lifts and whatnot. Um, Fair. Whereas, and and my, my mom mum doesn't like the snow, so you know it's like you know, <laughs> <the> <laughs> okay. college, you, know, you know, so it was always that growing up. It was like we go, yeah, it was mix and match, but yeah, we did we did snow trips too, but mainly. Um, Mainly warm trips, I guess, with the okay. <laughs> with the going up. Hey, yeah, fair enough.
0: The, That's cool. Hey, yeah. When did you get into supping and whatnot for the first time?
1: Yes, yeah, so I got into stand up. Actually, I was over in Maui doing. This. I, I I was had been kite surfing for a few years, and I was mucking around with. Back when you learn to kite, you generally learn in foot straps, and um, I was mucking around, and this actually it was a super fun day, and I was trying to get barreled on the kite and I kind of just got it wrong and sort of went up and over and one of my feet came out of the straps and I stayed in the strap and I sprayed my ankle so okay. the next few days there wasn't much wind and I couldn't, I could walk I could swim um, but I couldn't do the the pop up for, for shortboard surfing so okay. I was like alright, so I did I went body surfing one day, I just got a couple um, ways that way and then my dad was like, "The surf's pumping. You're not body surfing. You need to get a get a board." So we went to the local uh, high tech, actually in Maui, Makahalui. Um, like, and they hire like windsurf and all the gear. And, and they had a few stand paddleboards there. And we'd seen Laird stand up paddleboarding out at Hukipa the year before, and, and and this year as well. And dad was like, "Surely, where do we get you one of these things? Let's let's demo. Let's hire one of these for the you know while your ankles still no good." So if we went and tried out some st- uh, some two boards, they were. Um, paddle surf Hawaii boards, which was, I think that must be one of the first production standard paddle boards. Um, yeah, cool. And we got them out at some of the outer reefs on some windless days and some a bit of swell, and it was it was so much fun. Like not only was could I catch waves and not hurt my ankle again, but even better, it was we were surfing these spots that you wouldn't be confident enough to paddle out in your shortboard because it's like you know five, six, seven hundred meters out out of reefs. So and so we're surfing by ourselves um, in awesome waves and no one else around so we're like, maybe there's something to this stand-up paddleboard thing and obviously the boards are bigger but the fact we're getting so many waves and no one else around it didn't really matter so um, that was the start of stand-up paddleboarding and that was I don't even know how long ago that was but that was right when stand-up paddleboarding was starting to to sort of grow and um, we got home and the local shops didn't even have semi-paddle boards yet. Um, we actually got one of my dad's windsurf boards. We didn't have a paddle, so we got a rate, and we cut the prongs off, the, like a, a plastic rate. We cut oh, the prongs yeah, yeah. off. The rate. We're using that as a paddle. Um, that didn't last long. And at the local shop, um, WSS boards, they the owner had a custom board, semi-paddle board made just like from a local shaper. And so we, we, we demoed that off them for a couple of days and then, um, the next shipment of the boards that be coming in, we we bought a couple for the family, and that was the beginning of it all. And at home in Sydney, like there's good, there's waves all the time, but there aren't really good waves that often. And it's a city, so it's kind of crowded. So with a standard paddleboard, you could go to like outer reefs, you know, around like sort of waves that aren't as good, but you could get them um, to yourselves. And so more waves, less crowds. It just made sense. Easier in and out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When did you think about starting to compete? It was a while to be honest. Like I, I, this was probably this is st- when I was still in high school, and I, I didn't really, uh, to be honest, I didn't even know it was a like there was a, a sport like, competition. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know yeah. that it was competition. My brother worked at the local shop, that WSS Ford's, and we'd gone to a few of the local like Sydney Paddle Surf Club um, surf comps. And I, I usually, when I, I went to two or three, I, I, I think I always made the final and came like, I don't, know, I don't think I ever won it, but I was like in the top three at those events. Um, but I, it was just like coincidence and I hadn't really trained for it or anything. It was just like fun, something to do and basically to try out a few new boards. I think I actually snapped a board in one of the comps. <laughs> um, oh, really? Just, it was just a beach break and... Um, yeah, it wasn't a good thing to do, <laughs> but it's just like like I grew up surfing like it was just surfing a big board and I was kind of um, it, it seemed to work okay. Whereas I was competing against a lot of stand-up paddleboarders aren't surfers first basically. So okay, because I surfed um, and it was a decent surfer, I was competing against guys who were just stand-up paddleboarders and didn't necessarily surf. So the guys that were winning were were good surfers as well, but you know it was. Um, Early days, and yeah, it was it was fun competing and doing that, but it wasn't something that I had ambitions to compete in. Hmm. Okay, but slowly, kind of inched into your
0: life, and and figured it would be something that you would do, I guess. Yeah. So what
1: ended up happening was, um so I was playing rugby union like through like high school um for the local club, Murigurats, which is I don't know, it's like Shoot Shield Sydney. It's just a, it's like the, the local rugby tournament and from there you go to like sort of it's like semi-professional i guess once you get into the grades like the older years and um i I kind of like i always wanted to do sport and i kind of thought rugby was going to be like the sport that i wanted to do as i said i didn't even know that stand-up paddling it wasn't i don't know stand-up paddleboarding wasn't a like a career choice i guess it wasn't a yeah something you do and get paid for it was just something that you did um then growing up i was like the dream was like be a pro surfer but I, I just wasn't i was a good surfer but i was never the best surfer you know it was like that'd be cool but it's um it's so competitive here in australia and, and, and around the world now and so um, i think i definitely made a good choice um with the the alternative ocean sports um so as it may be a bit more fluid between disciplines uh but yeah, so I played rugby for ages and then my, my dad was training for Molokai to Oahu. He was doing it with a friend um, who actually grew up with uh, but had actually moved to Singapore and they were doing teams. So my dad was training in Sydney and um, his friend Norby was training in uh, Singapore and basically we would surf at a spot and we would drop that off and then we'd go to a spot where the surf was good and dad would finish where we were surfing. Um, okay. So, and I was... Question Like, why are you paddling? Like, the surf's pumping. Why would you be paddling, you know, downwind? It's like, it can't be as fun as surfing. And, um, you know, now I've, I'm the last time I like the shortboard surfing has definitely taken the back seat to, you know, downwind paddling or foiling or whatever, or winging, you know, whatever it is. So it's yeah. funny looking at it. But, um, yeah, that was the first time where I sort of understood that there was like this sort of competition, I guess, in stand up paddleboarding. Cool. And then, uh, uh Still wasn't interested, and then I basically went to my first stand-up paddleboard event, which was the Marine Villa Classic, which is a pretty famous windsurfing event. You know, all the pros back in the day used to come to it. It's had its like 40th, 41st year uh, this year in November, and I went down to that, and um, I basically it wasn't really the event that got me going. It was I met people that were competing, JC Shimahara, um, toby crackle and kai Bates, and um basically there was an event in sunset sunset beach on oahu north shore and uh they said oh you should come and do this event you you'd, you'd you'd go for it they said oh you'd it'd be good like we could we could all go over and have a bit of a trip and i was like dude sunset beach we can go surf sunset beach on standard paddleboards that would be sick and like in a competition like to have it just you know throw the people out i'm like yeah let's do it so Saved up and flew over and um, made it through the trials into the main event. And um, I think I bombed out in the first round, but it, like the base, the, the organizer, Tristan, was like, okay, well, you've qualified for the rest of the tour if you want to come to it. And then the next event was in Brazil, and then there was a couple in like um, France and Abu Dhabi and the Wave pool, And anyway, that was the beginning of, of all of that. So I wasn't I um, sponsored at that stage. I was just like just to pay your way pay kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah exactly okay oh nice yeah, startable. startable i i i think i'd started doing a little bit of racing at home that the first race i ever did was a uh was a in a northeasterly run so not to do as from today but from motorvale to Brownwater, which is a pretty standard run but um there was a storm coming and and the race started like must have started like 45 minutes before the storm hit and this hailstorm and a suddenly change literally when we were oh shit. just past halfway we got hailed on wind winter direction <laughs> and my brother my dad and i were all paddling these boat. like we haven't really paddled we we're just like oh we're this race it's only eight k, so we, we'll be fine like we've yeah. done stuff in the ice before and this, this hailstorm hit us and my dad and my brother and i like, we were all sort of racing and we're like lying down like paddling into the like paddling into the, the hail and the wind and the hail and um I was actually on a 12.6 and my brother and dad were on a 14 footer and my brother thought he kind of stitched me up, putting me on the shorter board, but because the board was shorter, it was a little bit easier to paddle into the wind. Like it was hard, easier <laughs> to go. So, um, so, so i beat them. I've been my brother and my dad in that <laughs> race on the shorter board and I was like, let's, yeah, you know, actually we didn't, we didn't race again for like another. I didn't-
0: this episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in Laventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10-kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island. Today, I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, We went from Latuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, Heck of a fun time. If you're looking to learn, there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at Saladita Kite School. They are positioned at Latuna. And now that I've been here a little while, I've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots. It is one of the more beginner friendly beaches with some nice sand, so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so, once again, they're at Latuna. So, if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So, you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite foil or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well, uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting SaladitaLaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at saladita kite school at saladita kite school.
1: And do another one of those for like two years, as you can imagine, like a hailstorm headwinds. It's not really what we for. No. no, yeah. So. Anyway, I'd got the taste of it and then I'd started a bit of racing at home um, after my dad had done Molokai to Oahu, And uh, yeah, it was just, I did a race in um, in Brazil. There was this race um, in, in Maceo and I didn't have a board, but Casper Steinfath had an inflatable Nash. And I was like, oh, can I race on that? He like, if you want, like, it's just sitting here, you're welcome to. It's like entered that, I went entered the race and the, and the surfing. And um, I did better in the racing than I did the surfing, even on the inflatables. In the, I think I made the final sprint on the inflatable and everyone was like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> just, hey, good for you. you know, it just like, I, I come from rugby, so I had a bit of power. You know, <laughs> yeah. I had a bit of power. And yeah, so I had um, the sprinting was, I did well in the sprints and it was like sort of surf. It was a short sort of, you know, triangle course. And um, yeah, did okay. And then I sort of thought I was going to go around the distance as well. But the distance was like an upwind leg and the inflatable was just like, you know, bouncing and yeah. flexing. And so, I, was, yeah. I mean, I was the first of the non-pros <laughs> in the distance. But like it was like I was in the second or third pack, you know, so it was, um, Good. It was fun. That was cool. That was the beginning of it, I guess, the racing. Like, oh, maybe I should do this more.
0: And then you won 2019. You
1: skip ahead a yeah, few so years. Then, like, all yeah. From there on in, it was like I wanted to do Molokai to Oahu in the first year I tried to get into it. They wouldn't actually... It was really hard to get into the race and it must have been like 2015 or something, 2014, and they didn't let me... But I, I couldn't get into the race. So we went over anyway and did the Maliko race, Maui to Molokai, and then we flew home after that. And then the year after, um, we, we got in because we had pretty good results of those races. And qualifiers? Qualified, and then first year I came... I think it was fifth and then the year after i came fourth the year after that i think i came fourth again and then i got third and then i and then i won it in 2019 so it was like out of a, a bit of a long shit man long That's road yeah you know, one of those things that just sort of that was my goal every year and just sort of work hard for that and yeah that okay. I was I, it was a cool journey. there's a lot more to that like board design and brands and you know it was starting with was part of a jp originally because of the surfs up so good <clears throat> then i was trying to help them with their race board design and for what i wanted to do like unlimited racing in hawaii they didn't didn't the breadth the i guess the, our ideas didn't align so i left jp and i went to sonova who i'm still still ride for sonova surfboards and a mate of mine, marcus tardrew uh actually we got him on at the same time because he was a up-and-coming designer of standard of paddleboards and Basically now, Marcus and I uh, started code Follows together, so it's kind of like it's all led into it. But Marcus basically built me. We Sonova was so good; they um, put so much money towards the unlimited design. We I think we had like five boards a year, five like seventeen to eighteen foot or nineteen foot boards over in Hawaii to test and play around with, and um, so we had lots of prototypes. And we we ended up coming up with a really good design that we're happy with. Um, and then Marcus made a, a very expensive he custom built this board out of Nomex so it's like like honeycomb sort of carbon stuff and um you yeah, know he built that and basically sent himself broke he wanted to build himself one he built me one as well and uh you know I, I won Molokai on that board which was you know I think made it sort of half worthwhile for him because he because he you know as I said he went broke doing it um and then yeah. Now seems like a distant to memory of the standard paddle stuff. But yeah, the yeah. the uh the, the foiling is where it's at now. But yeah, it's been been a bit of fun journey. Cool entry into it, and
0: then because you're bringing all that background, and then you won this year. Um, but it's foiling like you were foiling this year, and you were foiling in your own gear, right?
1: So that must yeah. have been that must have been pretty sick. Yeah, it was pretty crazy so i'd been working with um with marcus so you know a long time on the on the standard paddle boards and i actually got marcus into foiling and um basically you know to be able to have marcus and his brother ben um and then our friend dan sort of design this foil and then marcus um designed my foil board and um you know it was pretty cool to win on stuff that we had created yeah for sure definitely was, to be honest it was it was a i didn't expect it like i uh my goal was to get on the podium that was like the ultimate goal if i can get in the podium i'm pretty stoked because there's just so many variables and so many unknowns you know molokai's a while who hadn't run for four years you know since 2019 because of covid so um the last time I'd done the race, I was on a stand-up paddleboard. And I was foiling back then. But I'd put too much work into the stand-up paddleboard stuff to to foil it. I was like, you know, I'd be like there were only like there like maybe ten guys foiling back then. And it was big time an arms race, I guess. It was like there were foils that were higher aspect and the other foils that were lower aspect. And if you didn't have one of the fast foils, you weren't really in the top. You know, you weren't in the top echelon. So um the years that Kyle won, he was riding like a prototype, like not ava- readily available production foil. Fast forward to 2023, to have one Olukay To Wahoo, who won a production foil, um, the 860R and Code Foils, was was a pretty pretty cool feeling, you know. So, yeah, that was very, like sort of still pitching myself and Marcus ban and Dan went like, on the phone after they're like, holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> like, good. we didn't think you were going to win though. Like It was just like this, you know,
0: it was a um, bit of shock for sure. Oh, yeah, I don't doubt. So back to back.
1: Yeah. In essence. Yeah. In a funny way. Yeah. 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 Holy yeah.
0: man. When did you guys think about um, like starting code? Like when was that kind of idea born?
1: So good friends with Marcus and Ben Tardrew. And whenever I went to, whenever I went to their place in the Goldie, um, I used to stay at their, their parents' place when I was up there. And that his dad would always be like, "When do you guys start your own brand?" Because Ben used to design for one, and Marcus was for Sonova, and, and I was with Sonova. So they're like, "You guys should team up." Like, why would you be working for other people and doing different brands and whatnot? They're just using your ink info and da 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 da. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, it takes a lot of money to start up the company and you know, time commitment yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And Basically, we were, you know, there are all these options to do certain things. And um, early 2023, Marcus and Ben had sort of spoken to me and said, look, but we're thinking of, maybe even end of 22, said, oh, we're looking at doing our own foil brand. Would you be interested? I'm like, oh, I am. But everything's going pretty well with with my current sponsor. Like, there's no need to, to, to change that. Like, I, I feel like everything's going pretty well here. Like, all right, well, when we get something, we'll we'll send it to you. We'll, we'll come down and we'll get you to try it and maybe we can change your mind. I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, in my head, like we've done a bunch of prototypes for this other brand. And I was like, realistically, they're not going to be able to make something as good. Like it takes time to create a quality, you know, soil. and Sure it does. Yeah, you know, and like factories and whatnot. And So I was like, yeah, I'll try it for sure. But like no promises. So uh, it's... it's must be like february or january 2023 ben comes down horrible weather but good good to the you know, foilings. good that you don't really need good conditions i try out a foil and um i'm like huh, <laughs> it's pretty bloody good like it was it was for the first foil it was amazing to be honest like it was crazy how how well they made this foil and uh quality was good and um So I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to have a good long, hard think about this because, you know, I'm had a pretty good deal with with the brand I was with and it was going to be a big call to, you know, to exit that deal. I guess the contract had ended, but it was like, it was just like assumed that I was going to continue. And yeah, I was sort of start chatting to him and how it could work and talked about, you know, the numbers and whatnot and how could potentially work and they're like we should do it and we sort of looked into it I chatted to my wife about it. she had my family about it and it was like well in my hand I was like well, I'm gonna join eventually like it's if it's not this year it's gonna be next year if it's not next year it'll be the year after because I want to do something with my mates and that yeah I've done design stuff like all the sports like the my professional I guess career had been with them designing for me so it was kind of like I'm gonna do it at some point so why not now? You know, why not? Why 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 sort of hold off another two three years and why not just do it now? And yeah, so then we just like made the call and to the you know, old sponsor, old, old sort of brand that was sponsoring me, and they were like, they were pretty bummed. Um, yeah, they were like, it's, it was is it another brand? You go to another brand and like, like is a competition? I'm like, well, it's not really competition yet. <laughs> it's not really something <laughs> you're worried about. Um, and then when I told them what it was, they were, they were actually, to their credit, they were super stoked and uh, wished us luck. And, um, yeah, that, they were, I think they you were know, happy that it wasn't another brand, um, but also you know kind of happy that because uh, Marcus was actually sponsored by this brand as well um, in the past. And he was like, okay, if you're going to do it, I'm stoked that it's with, with those people. So good luck to you and it will see you around. So it was cool.
0: Nice. And then slowly built from there how how did the first year go for
1: you guys the first year i think we launched in like june so our we and we won foil so and that was the 850s so the 850s is like uh s it doesn't really stand for anything it's it's kind of like our all-round foil so it's great for winging it's great for surfing and and it's got it's got a good amount of glide that you can downwind it and so we expanded that range from the 850 to the um, 980 and the 720. So basically we had three foils by like sort of middle of the year. Then I think in October we launched our R series, which is what I was using in Hawaii for the for Molokai to Oahu. And so we basically, for our plan was to make sure we had foils that were going to be competitive for Molokai to Oahu. So we had like four, five months to get like downwind foils ready to be competitive against all the big brands and all the established brands so we um i don't think it's luck but like marcus did a lot of work marcus and Ben did a lot of work um researching foil designs researching you know all stuff and then dan is an architect so he he was he's in charge of doing the blends so that you know how the mast or even the fuse attaches to the front wing and make it super smooth and whatnot so I think it just had the right people designing the stuff, and um, because we downwind, we know what the foil needs. There's there's definitely some brands out there that are using other methods to test stuff, I guess. Whereas because yeah. we all downwind, we know what we need, and we we've, we've all downwinded in a lot of different conditions. So you know we know that you need a low stall speed so you can get up easy, and then once you're up, you want to be going as fast as you can. So. You know, yeah. the range is the most important thing. And a lot of people get a bit hung up on top speed. We didn't worry too much about top speed or more about average speed it's because an average speed will win your race. The top speed will um, get you a really nice thrill. But if it tops out and then slowly, you know, dra- gets really draggy after that, it's not really worthwhile. So, um, Oh, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So we... Uh, yeah, the, the, the hard work paid off, I guess. And obviously I trained pretty hard and I was training pretty hard on the, you know, for a few years to this, um, you know, the, the world record foil. Um, I did, you know, 213 Ks in like 11 hours was, you know, training towards Molokai. If you can, if you can fall for 11 hours, <laughs> you got to feel a lot of different conditions. Um, so, you know, Molokai to different conditions. But yeah, it's been a, been a journey
0: yeah how was that Guinness book like how um how'd
1: that feel yeah that was cool that was something I'd so um my dad passed away in 2020 and I'm um, spoken about um we'd spoken about four like really long distances so my dad did a lot of triathlons and sort of endurance like ultra marathons and whatnot and I always said they were like man that's stupid like why would you do that so it's such a like such just tough on the body and He's like, yeah, but... And then the foiling came out and he's like, I reckon you could foil around Antarctica. And I was like, it's a freaking long way. Like, it's going to take a while. He's like, yeah, but you could do it. You guys in the roaring 40s, you know, the swells are big, the westerlies are blowing, you just go around. And it'd be cool to sort of do that. I said, why don't we start something shorter? He was like, okay, what about... Why don't you go from uh, Western Australia to Victoria, which is, you know, around along the bottom of um, Australia. And I was like, what about like Bass Strait? Like start with something small, which is like Bass Strait is a pretty notorious channel. It's, I think it's about 200 Ks. And we sort of okay. said, okay, well, why, why would we try that? And then I started trying to organize that. Um, and then COVID hit, so it was hard to even get out of the state. So we basically organized uh, to do this sort of um, went from the south coast. So 200 Ks south of where I live, we just swallowed that in, in a good southerly buster. And uh, kind of to raise awareness for brain cancer, and and um, mm-hmm. and sort of I guess honor my dad's uh, dad's I guess legacy and, and name and and whatnot, um, and, and just sort of just to do what we talked about. Like to he was really good at planting seeds in people, and he, he definitely like he convinced someone to to do like a, he just he was good at convincing people to do something that was like seemed ridiculous, but he knew that it was within them. So um, I guess he did that to me again. You know, so he sort of said, do this and there you go. So plans yeah. to do more, but um it's just really hard to organise. Expensive with boats and whatnot and finding time with a family now is a little bit trickier. Oh yeah, with your little your little guys starting out
0: into the world that you were you're in, which is gonna be pretty fun, I think. Yeah. How does that feel with a little one kind of just looking and learning at everything that you're doing?
1: Yeah. Does it bring another he, dimension? He, he, Yeah, for sure. It it puts a bit of different perspective on everything, and everyone's like, when I was when my wife was pregnant, like, oh, life's gonna change for you, man. I'm like, yeah, it will for sure, and and it has. But I'd say it's only gotten better, you know. So now, it's just a like I don't want to be spending two hours out in the surf just sort of waiting for that perfect wave. I've been taking out like a big foil lately and just sort of catching one wave, you know, to sort of link in like sort of 10 20 30 40 waves just got around in circles and i'm down in like 20 minutes half an hour i can go make the family and sort of take him in the ocean and have a little swim or dig sandcastles with him or for a swim in the pool or like so today we'll throw a little fall drive in the lake with him and just oh, like nice. it's it's more important spending time with i guess loved ones than you know trying to you know show how good you are out in the surf or whatever it is or just you know it's just like Different perspective and is you just gotta make the most of your time because it's the life's busy and I grow up too
0: fast. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So going back to your foils and tears, I'm just on your website now, just looking to see like how everything connects. You wanna do maybe a high, high level, because we could always talk to a designer more later, but maybe just give everybody a home kind of a walkthrough of of how and why you guys decided to design it the way you did.
1: Yeah. So Pretty so. so ben Taju was designing for another Aussie foil brand. Um, I guess at 2020 or 2019 they started and they they built their foil from scratch. And they found all the places that foils break. Basically, they found okay. that you know there's weak points, you know weak points at the base plate. There's weak points at the you know the the mast to the fuse, and there's weak points at the front wing to the fuse and. You know so so basically looking at this yeah you can kind of see I mean, if you scroll down a little bit i'm not sure if you can kay. you kind of see it, it tapers out pretty wide at the at the base plate so oh yeah you, you got a taper there yeah so basically and, and the base plate's actually super thick and it's a big base plate so the reason for that was look that's just strengthening the connection from the foil to your board basically to your feet so if we can give the base plate more surface area, we can give the base weight to the mast more strength, then it's gonna create more stiffness and it's gonna be able to, it's gonna work better for everyone. Because a more connected setup is a better setup. So yeah, exactly. yeah, that was the first bit. And then even like our, our tuddle to I guess our mast to to fuse connection is um is is actually kind of tapered so you, like when you put the front wing on you can actually lift the whole mast up with just the with just the front wings without even screws in it so it, it like suctions in so it's it's basically it's a really tight good solid connection um so you know the they're, they're the sort of foundations that everything was built on strong connections was going to create a better more efficient foil so that was the beginning of it and then um we had a bit of, you know, we had the benefit of a little bit of hindsight, like foiling's been around for a little while now and something as simple as having all the screws on the top of the fuse or I guess the bottom of the fuse, depending on how you look at it. But when you're setting it you up, do. it's really annoying to screw up two on the top and then having to go underneath and screw two from the bottom and then go back up to the top and, you know, so just little things like and like all from yep. the side or whatever it is. So, you know, it was just like, how do we make this easy and how do we make it? you know, idiot proof and, and what's the best way to make this, you know, efficient and, you know, basically. And so, and strong and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, then the fuse to front wing, it's got that sort of overlap and then the tail onto the fuse. It's a really clean, smooth connection. So we're just trying to, you know, maximize efficiency and, um, make everything, I guess, hydrodynamic. So flows sort of through, um, The other thing is the fuse is pretty chunky, so it kind of goes back Mm -hmm. to what we'll talk about before is where if something, one of the places that there's flex is obviously the fuse. And if you can make that thicker, then you're gonna have a more connected feel, more connected feel is gonna feel, you know, you're just gonna get more efficiency from that. And I think a lot of brands are sort of worried about um, hydrodynamics of their fuse and then make it really small. And when it's really small, it flexes. And so if you make something It's all a balance, right? Like you make it too hydrodynamic. It's going to have some sort of flex. So We've got to use more expensive carbon or, you know, aluminium or whatever it is to make it stiffer. So we went pretty, we were like, we'll make it as big as we can because we can, once you make it big, once you've set your system, you can't change it. So we don't know how high aspect foils are going to get. We want to future proof this. So let's make everything, you know, solid and bigger so that when the stuff changes, we don't have to change our system. So that was the idea behind it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. 100%. That makes sense. And then so we got your S series wings, your R series, and then you got your tails. How many mass sizes are we going with? Um, 75 and 85. Okay. Yeah. Those are good sizes. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Most of the people I know are all running the 85. Yeah. So here in Australia,
1: most people are running the 75, which is...
0: Waves. Yeah. It's... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and also downwind, kind of like the shorter is a little bit more efficient. But it's, um, okay. yeah, it's interesting the trends that are occurring, and like this is just the beginning. Really, we've got a lot of stuff in the works which I can't talk about. But um, oh, I probably can talk about the 1300s, which is our next release. By the time okay. this is released, it'll be out. <laughs> the 1300S, just a bigger, it's just a bigger foil of the S. So it's kind of designed for you know dock starts. Um, flat water paddle ups but really it's kind of designed for a beginner downwind wing. so it's easy to paddle up and then once it's up it's easy to turn and what we've seen with a bunch of sort of beginner downwind wings is something that's easy to paddle up isn't always that easy to turn and if it's if you can't control it once you're up you're only doing really short runs so it's a bit of a compromise you want to be able to paddle up you still want to be able to turn it um, some people can paddle up super easy but you can't turn it so this is kind of like it's the foil that we feel is, it's just the next one we're releasing, it's a bigger one and it's um, for us it's a good compromise of you know control once up on foil and ability to get up onto foil
0: because it's pretty kind of difficult to do and I tried my first one this summer, it was a 1500 or something and I was wing foiling it but we were playing between tails because we didn't know so I think it had a 220 tail on it, it was 1560 and it was very slow, but I had a super hard time turning it. So for like, this is obviously you're an expert at this. So what makes a good downwind foil from your experience for somebody brand new and novice and might consider doing it on the Great Lakes or uh, just doing it on their lake at home kind of thing?
1: Well, I think the Great Lakes is actually probably one of the like untapped like locations yeah. for downwind foil because like could that's be a massive lake yeah it's and you guys have like the, the fetch is plenty you know, depending on the wind direction and which side of the lake you're on but i was chatting to, maybe it was a client um who's in like i think he's in michigan but anyway he's so i think he was on the southern end of that lake so he's right and, and the wings blow straight to the the finish and i'm like dude this is this is the spot it's going to be cold but you know the conditions like basically the fetch is plenty and you only need about two kilometers of fetch or three kilometers of fetch before the bumps get good. And if the wind's super strong, you need less than that. So basically, what what makes a foil good to, to you know to for downwind foiling and it's yeah for paddling and stuff yeah yeah when you're paddling and even even winging to start with like but when you're learning on the paddle you've got to be able to get up. So I see a lot of people sort of start with really small foils and um i guess our 1300 sounds like it's small like you're on a 1560 but our, our foil sections it, it's quite a slow foil section i guess like a, it's quite lifty for what it is so it was, it's got a good range so it can go slow and it can go fast and that was one of the most important things for us and foiling because if you can use a foil that can go fast and slow then it's really hard to choose the wrong foil you know <laughs> that's the range is everything you know so, and as conditions change you're going to be able to still have the right foil because the range is there. So a foil that's perfect for down like learning the downwind foil is that it, it, it has a low stall speed, so it lifts like at a slow speed. So you know if you can paddle to paddle and pump your board to around 10 to 15 k's an hour, like in that sort of ballpark, you're going to be able to get this foil to lift off. And most people that put a bit of time into it can get can get get paddling to that speed. Um and then once you're up, you wanna be able to maneuver it pretty well. And look, the problem is and, and, and so you want it to glide well. The problem is if you're looking for glide and you're looking for easy to get up, it's gonna be hard to it's gotta be hard to control, basically. So you can go really big span and a really small cord and it's gonna glide forever. But it's gotta be hard to turn. It's also gonna be you hard do. to paddle up in some respects, because you go too high aspect and it's like like, you push through the the water column, you sort of paddling in your puppy, you sort of stall out, doesn't just take off. So there's this sort of, you know, you're you're balancing speed, glide, and drag. And if there's too much drag, you lose your speed. There's too much glide. There's no drag, but it's hard to get up because you need to go fast as well as slow, slow, as well as fast. So it's just this combination of a few different things, and yeah, we're we're still working on. I'm to say we've nailed it, but it's like this is our this is our fall to date. And um, for us to learning to in foil, it's really easy to to maneuver for. I guess how slow it lifts, and uh, once you're up and going, it um, yeah, it's it, it turns well. Now, for fuse length and
0: tail choices, is there something like for winging? Like I'm some buddies are riding 60s 50s because we want like on the lakes i like just some snappy kind of quick turns i'm not jumping but we're snappy stuff so are you looking different fuse lengths or or tails for uh for what like based on your different levels for downwind
1: yeah generally speaking like so when i'm coaching like a longer fuse is going to make it less cardio intensive i guess once you're up and going too long a fuse can make it like hard to pump though, and it depends on the fuse and tail combination I guess so if I'm using a really long fuse and a really big tail versus the same tail with a short fuse the the long fuse is going to make the tail feel bigger and the short fuse is going to make the tail feel smaller for the same tail and it's all about Good. leverage so if if this is my tail and you know it's moving up and down this much with the with the long fuse and so you're moving up and down this much in the short fuse is just it's it's, um, something I've only really found out in the last sort of two years, but the, the fuse like makes a big difference on this, how small or large the tail feels. Um, likewise, if I use a, I guess a smaller tail and a longer fuse or a, uh, it's going to feel, it'll feel bigger, I guess, and the smaller tail and the shorter fuse is going to feel smaller. So same thing, but just, you know, you can change, you can change tails and fuses, I guess, to create different, um, feels and, um, generally what what i found is you want to be able to paddle up the smallest um tail you can get away with because once you're up like tails or stabilizers are just for stability they're not helping you with speed and the bigger the tail is the more drag there is therefore the less glide you get so if you can paddle up a a 142 square centimeter tail versus your friend who can only paddle up a 188 square centimeter tail on the same, once they're both up, the person on the 142 tail is going to glide for longer. Just as long as they get it to the, the speed that the foil wants to run at. The other thing is in lakes versus ocean, generally the lakes have a bit less energy. That's so it. Because there's less fetch. Um, so sometimes if you use too small a tail or too small fuse, you're actually going to be going faster than the bumps are. Therefore your foil never gets to the speed that it like wants to sit at. So you actually feel like you're just stalling out So the tail, some of the So you can use a tail, a bigger tail or a longer fuse to create more drag. And more drag means you go slower, which means yeah. therefore instead of going too fast for the bumps, you're now going too slow for the bumps or the same speed as the bumps, which allows you to then enjoy the bumps. So then, the worst okay. thing you can do is go too fast. The second worst thing you can do is go way too slow and ideally, we're looking for that, you know, middle zone. box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right in that middle zone. <laughs> but I guess what I always say is I always prefer to be um, overfoiled and underfoiled. And that's, if this is the range that you want to be in, I prefer to be overfoiled because at least I'm getting up. Whereas if I'm underfoiled, while I'm not getting up, and if I do get up, I'm just flat water pumping the whole way downwind. And you don't want to True. be doing that yeah no that takes some of the fun <laughs> definitely some of the
0: fun out of it exactly. how yeah. uh how are some of your first wing foil sessions you've been out winging
1: and stuff out there too yeah so it's, it's funny because like for me um i learned to wing foil after i already knew how to downwind foil so a lot of people um learn to wing foil and they'll use the wing to get themselves up and going and then once they're going they'll they'll like just sort of you know hold the wing like free wing or Know, some people call it witching, whatever you want to call it, but they, they hold the front handle and they put it wherever they want to put it and um, they'll ride downwind. And most of the time what I sort of see is people that want to load the downwind and they're using wing to load the downwind is they're using too small a board, which doesn't really matter, and also too small a foil, which also doesn't really matter that much. But if you're looking to eventually get into the, the like, downwind without the wing, one, it's hard to paddle up a smaller board, and two, it's harder to paddle up a smaller foil. So while it <laughs> could be super fun, winging on a small—it is super fun winging on a small board with a small foil, so there's zipping through the bumps and just doing those big turns. For progression and to learn to do the, I guess, for for me and some people say like downwind foiling is like the the pinnacle, like it's it's where you want to get to because it's like opens up a lot of different options. Yeah, you don't need to rely on, I guess, necessarily that really larellar wind. Yeah, you know, it's just it opens up a lot of things. So. Wingers, my advice for people that are winging that want to learn to downwind foil is use gear that's that you got to be using when you learn to downwind with the paddle, I guess. And um, I've done a few different things with the wing and it kind of revolves around trying to get rid of it. Um, and that's either holding it in the backhand, so I'm, I'm natural foot, so left foot forward, right foot back. I always try to downwind with the wing in my right hand. I try to get it behind me. So I'm going downwind, the... Leading edge is facing downwind and the trailing edge is facing upwind. And the trick okay. to that is just trying to keep it nice and low below your hip height and like drag the strut in the water. And if you're going fast enough, if you're going faster than the wind is, you'll actually just yes, hold that wing behind you. But it's, it's more like downwind foiling with a paddle or just getting towed in because you can kind of turn and the wing stays out of the way. To me, the biggest benefit of wing foiling is that we're so efficient and you can get rid of the wing really easily. Wave yeah. right in. You know, just compared to kite surfing or windsurfing, windsurfing at the sail and you found yes. kiting you got getting pulled around by this you know this big kite and long lines winging. It's it's a really small sail relative to other things. It's light and you can get out of the way super easy. So, um, yeah, most of my <laughs> most of my winging, I guess, journey has been how do I get rid of this thing now that <laughs> yeah. now that I've used it to get up downwind or get up and into the waves. And so yeah. you know, the the anchor man from Cloud Nine, they've done some pretty a critical cool little anchor. Um, you yeah. just you just throw the wing away and it just doesn't blow away. Um, and then there's the deflate downwind where i literally deflate it and hold on my arm. Um, and then I pump it back up when I get to the end they the route to go back to the start um, and okay. or then like a, a reinflate as well. So I've got like a CO2 canister and I've reinflated it whilst foiling downwind and then sort of sailed back upwind. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you put your bag race. on
0: your do you put your bag on your back if you do a full deflate and kind of just put it in the bag and then go down or?
1: Originally I did, but like to stop and pack it up is a pain in the ass. So I'd prefer to just yeah. deflate it and just have the middle strut still inflated. So I'll just like sort of roll it up and I'll hold it under my arm. And then I'll deflate oh, okay. for as as whatever run I want to do. And then when I get to the end, I get the pump out of my backpack and I'll pump it back up. Or I'll just finish on the beach whether I want it and drive back up. But yeah it's like my, my winging journey has definitely been a bit different to other people's I'm, I've never really been too interested in the freestyle stuff um, mainly because by the way I just never been good at backflips even as a kid you know everyone does yeah. backflips and, and as a kid I did the backflip on it and I landed weird and I bounced off and into a rock and I you know, got stitches in the eye you know next to the eye so maybe I'm scarred from that but just the aerial stuff has never been my deal um, and the speed stuff hasn't really because I grew up surfing So to me, winging is awesome because it's like having a jet ski. But you can get rid of the jet ski. (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: So for somebody brand new or they're looking to get into foiling, what would make Code a bit different, for example, from other brands? Are you guys niching towards something specific? um, Or would it be a great all-round foil?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think Code is a uh, a brand new Aussie brand where we're run by, like, there's four foilers and that's that's the company. Like, we're literally, there's four of us and that's who's running it we're not even a year in. Um, we, the, our benefit is that we've, we, we foil. We all foil a lot. And because we all foil, we understand the conditions at least that we have here in Australia. We know what we're looking for um, in terms of to get the most out of all So range, um, you know, stiffness or connectedness i guess and um i guess we're growing so it's it at the moment we've just got sort of a i guess we call it the middle range for what we use we've got you know what we've released so far is the middle and we've got bigger and smaller to come but it's um yeah it's just the beginning and um oh yeah very excited to see you guys grow and see what like year number two
0: brings because my buddy was was all about you guys and he said man you have to talk to james and have to see how this stuff is made and set up and where it's going and it's a good all-around foil so it doesn't matter if somebody's wanting to get into waves or just kind of kind of free ride or downwind code kind of covers a whole bunch of different ranges for people
1: yeah i think a lot of people kind of people hold us as a downwind foil company which look like, is fair because we all downwind foil we're all pretty pumped on downwind foiling um and obviously wind and to Wahoo on the foil makes it seem like it works pretty good for downwind foil. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, the, like you see throughout like all brands, they'll design a foil for something and they find it actually works really well for something else as well. So, yeah. you know, like the um, like dock starting and you know, basically a, a dock start wing should actually work pretty well as a downwind foil wing as well as because it's all about the glide and, and the ability to glide. So, you Know, um, also our surf wing we, we find works pretty good. Firstly, I don't know, but like Marcus does a bit of the freestyle stuff and the wing, and he loves the S series for so wing. Okay. He's on the 720S all the time, he's anyways about like 60 kilos, and um, he's you know doing I don't know the tricks, but he's doing tricks and jumps. Yeah, and he's awesome, <laughs> <Okay. the course. laughs> like, like just the solid feeling and that, um, you know. And, and then obviously, if you want to do like downwind winging uh, or, or pumping, like working on your pumping with you know surfing or winging or whatever it is, the r series is going to work well. And um, we've also done a bit of like sort of bigger wave, sort of toe stuff, which look is not really a, a big market? I don't think, but it's something that that I'm passionate about. And um, this is something a bit different. And kind of going back to your question before about fuse length and tails. Yeah, I've I've the 720s, which is our smallest foil. Um, in, in good conditions um, but I'll use that with a pretty small tail so like the 150 or the 142 tail with a medium fuse when I am towing I actually use the same front wing but I use a long fuse with that biggest tail so a 188 and which if you told me that a little while ago I'd have been like why would you do that? A bigger tail means you go slower the advantage of the bigger tails is it creates more stability so the stab, bigger tail creates more stability and makes you go slower but um, by shimming the tail half a degree negative, it gives you a little bit extra speed, but you still have that stability. So I can't pump between waves on the 720 with the long fuse and on the 188 tail. I can on the 720 with the medium fuse and the 150 or the 142 tail, which is strange, right? Like you wouldn't think that would be a thing. You'd think a bigger tail would make it easier to pump. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> all the time. Depends how big it's like, like I said, full is a range, and you go too big and it makes it good. No, you get too small it makes legal but there's a little bit in between so for, but for turning i guess the the bigger tail with the longer fuse gives you a lot of stability it means you can just sort of rip the turns harder and it makes the foil feel completely different just by changing um fuse and stat and the size Dude. of the fuse and the stat. so it's oh, that's just fine cool. to it, I that I, to me it's like i was saying before it's like only in the last sort of six months have i figured that out and that's like wow <laughs> i didn't know that so there's so yeah. much to it. Like I talked to Clément
0: Rosario this morning. He's a f- French guy and he's like surfing Mavericks and Nazare. And we talked a little bit about foiling and that stuff. And he was saying that what his problem was is that he was going so fast that the board, the wind would push his board up. And yep. so he would get lift from that, lift from the foil. And he, And so we talked briefly about it and he was like, We went through a lot of the safety, but the big thing was is like how do I keep this thing nose down so that I can get this thing going, keep it controlled, and then make everything either a bit heavier because he's hitting like seventy or whatever. He's charging big time. So like I'm always curious as to what everybody thinks about this because it seems to be that there's like it's gonna push that way slowly to bigger and bigger stuff. But you have to do it like within control.
1: Yeah. I was chatting to a mate the other day and They're like, well, why why do foilers want to surf where surfers are? Because, you know, in in Australia, lots of, you know, surf beaches and, you know, foilers are, it's just going to happen. Like, foilers are becoming more and more, like, they're sitting out in the same spots as surfers, which, like, you don't need to, but I understand why people want to. Because, basically, when you're learning, same as when you learn to surf, you don't need very good waves. So, you know, like, bad waves are great for learning to foil. But once you already know how to foil, you want to get yourself in, like gnarly or like more critical positions, I guess. So you want to get, you know, not so much crumbly waves. You want to get to waves that are kind of pitching, and then you want to get into waves that are kind of barreling, and then you want to get in bigger waves, and then you want to, you know, go foil Nazare or whatever it is, and you surf or whatever it is, and you've seen that. So people are always like, well, why would you want to do that in the foil? It's not designed for that. And while it's not designed for that, it's like, why would you want to go surf a big slab like that? Surfboards yeah. aren't really designed for that either. But it's just the challenge. And so yep. the reason I think and. I think it's going to become not a problem, but we're going to see like, I guess, things happen. Like surfers run into surfers. It just happens. Foilers yep. run into foilers and foilers run, and surfers run into foilers, and foils are going to run into surfers. And it's just like like the problem with foiling is we're using a really big fin and it's kind of sharp in some places. Yeah, definitely. But um, I think it's, we're going to have to learn to coexist because yeah, people say yeah, in, in Sydney's eastern suburbs, so Bondi to Maroubra, you're actually not allowed to foil during the patrolled hours. So basically, you're not allowed to foil when the lifeguards are there to tell you, you're not allowed to foil. Um, and that's because, one, it's super busy, but also when they started, I think something must have happened and there was like too much, I don't know, someone complained and now foils are banned from from beaches. And like, even if someone's doing a downwind run and they're coming into the beach, foilers are copped grease for coming in at the beach, you know. But, like, where are they oh, supposed wow. to come in? Anything? if It's, like, yeah. it's dangerous. more dangerous for them to stay out, but they're saying it's dangerous for a foiler to come in through the surf zone where, where other surfers are. So, it's, you know, basically we're we going to have to navigate. I think as foilers being the newer the newer thing, we've got to sort of take a bit of common sense and, like, we don't need as good a wave as much as you'd like a better wave to foil them. Surfers have been doing it for longer, and mm-hmm. they go slower than us. I think that's she someone spoke to me the other day. The, the best way to sort of police, like that sort of stuff, is whoever's going slower has right of way. So, okay. that means swimmers have right of way over surfers, which I think is about right. And surfers have right of way over foils. Same as a, a jet ski or a boat has to give right of way to a foil. Or, you know, or... or like in, when you're winging, actually winging's been a thing too. Like I've been winging in some locations like cross offshore and there's been surfers out there too and they get really annoyed at first. I always stay clear of them, but they're like annoyed that I'm buzzing past them. Like, you know, not close, but just, you know, they're annoyed that I'm, it comes down that they're annoyed that I'm going and they're not, they're sitting there. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I think so. But it, maybe more of that, but it, that's, I think, what it comes down to. Um, so it's like just giving space and... Um, I guess, understanding and communicating. I guess I always sit down and chat to the person. Like, I'm just going to catch a few waves. Like, I'm not going to be out for long, but this is really good for winging. And, you know, most of the time, I'm catching the waves you don't even want. So, just <laughs> so you true. know, I'm going to be here in 20 minutes. And just communication, I think, is really important. Okay.
0: Yeah, I found that. because I was to Fino, like, on Vancouver Island this year. And I was wing-foiling that, like, Long Beach. And there was five or six surfers there. It was the same premise. They were looking over. And then I was just lapping stuff, catching the shoulder, kicking out, not getting into any sections. So I was just kind of learning in the waves. And um, they, they were pretty decent about it. One guy waved over, some were kind of grumpy because you are catching a lot more. You're getting a lot more action. So it's like, yeah. and for that aspect of things, I can get it. But I think we'll just have to learn how to coexist and it's just so awesome that we have more and more products coming out, more and more companies coming out with some unique styles of things and that we're all going to be able to kind of enjoy all the variety of disciplines that FOIL is going to bring. So it can only get better.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the exact reason that I guess I've been really into the downwind stuff is because surf zones are only going to get more crowded is the way I see it. Like even the lesser quality waves are already, you know, getting crowded here in Sydney and it's like, like sometimes I'll be out foiling on my own bank by myself and then a surfer will paddle out because I said that I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I'm sitting here because it's the worst spot along the beach <laughs> and there's no one else here. <laughs> I saw you going to crumble. Like, yeah, but I'm on a foil. Like it's a different sort of, we're looking for different things. Whereas downwind foiling, when it's super windy and you're out to sea, there's literally bumps everywhere. And I'll be going out with of 10 people the other day. Once I got going, I only saw two people. Like, so... There's 10 of us launching and starting at the exact same location. Once we're going, there's one person 200 meters that way, and there's another person 200 meters that way. And then there's, you know, it's just like, and you usually try to ride the same bump, but then you sort of peel off and you go left, I go right, and all of a sudden we're hundreds of meters apart. <laughs> you got to sort of work yourself to get back to get. So basically, downwind falling in my lifetime, I don't think it's going to get crowded. Whereas yeah. surf foiling and surfing and all that stuff, I've seen it already through surfing through standard at all through kiting to now foiling it's just getting more and more crowded everywhere every surf zone is getting more crowded because it's you know everything's just getting bigger and everything's getting better and as brands are pushing more surf craft you know surfing from the 90s to now has changed a lot um, oh yeah big WSL's time more sort of pro than what it was back in the 90s so just you know this means more, more people have, more people doing it more people having fun out there but also more people to share with which is that's, that's the key word, I guess, we get to learn to
0: share. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And we get to share and we get to try out all this cool gear and all this brand new gear coming out. I'm pretty stoked yeah. to see this, and I'm looking forward to getting to be able to try it. Um, are you guys going to head down to, I know it's a pretty far journey. Are you heading down to AWSI next year?
1: We're talking about it. We were kind of okay. bummed we didn't make it this year. We, we actually prioritized um, the Wood River, the Gorge Paddle Challenge. Okay. Over it. I think just because we were in Hawaii and we're like, oh, we can go do that, and we can kind of, you know, talk to the shops there and talk to the people that are there and sort of tap into that market. But AWSI is definitely on the hit list this year. We're lucky enough that um, Foil Drive um, actually brought a, a code foil over with them. They're like their mates of ours, and we said, so sort of, oh, if you're going over, can you go this? And um, Josh from the Foil Shop in Seal Beach, he lent him a few foils too. And um, we, while we weren't there. Um, our foils work and we got a good bit of feedback from uh from just our foils feedback, which was cool but yeah Sweet. it'd be cool to get um get us get get yeah some representation from code foils itself rather than just the, the folder and friends of ours well like that's a step one man
0: we can't expect too much from you guys for your first year coming out with a foil as good as as it is i think is a pretty good first step and then uh i'll be i'll, I'll be there next year so even if your, your foils are there, I'll definitely take them out for a rip and and see what they feel like. I think that that place is... Like, it was my first time um, foiling there. It is insane. It is so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been there for a while, and um, the foils have gotten a lot better since I've been there, but even when I was there in... Well, honestly, I think last time I was there was like 2018. Um, and... It was fun then. <laughs> but I know yeah. there's a lot more people doing it now. So it's just gonna get you know, for downwind, which is what Wood River basically is, it's Yep. It's it
0: Nice. Well, hey, is there anything else you want to kind of chat about, introduce, the community, anything else that you think comes to mind?
1: Join the code foil writers group on on Facebook. You know, that's something okay. that's um that's getting a bit of traction now. I'm not sure how many members we have, but it's like there's, you know, more discussions going on in there. So if you want to know more info about code foils head there um i also coach so like um coach casey club is something that i've sort of developed over the last four years now maybe four and a half years now it's like an online resource um that you can learn to like someone asked me the other day how do i get better at pumping what what do i need to buy and i was like ah well probably a coach casey club membership because like no like you'd People try to buy their way to being better at something. And look, you do need the right equipment to a certain extent. And, um, but the best sort of benefit, like the most cost beneficial way is 50 bucks a month, 50 Aussie dollars a month, which is even less. <laughs> 50 Aussie dollars a month. And I can sort of look at, um, look at your technique and sort of help you hone in your technique and make it suit to your, um, your equipment and your conditions so and i guess there's not too much of that sort of stuff going on at the moment so yeah if if you want to improve your foiling check out the coach casey club because it's um cool something that's it's grown a lot over the last little bit and um i've taught a lot of people the downwind foil you know in the last couple years through like having never met them just through this platform which has been pretty pretty rewarding
0: Oh nice. So for your $50 plan here, you get access to Coach Casey Facebook group, you got all your online courses and training programs, weekly talk back Tuesday group video calls and access to replays if you miss out. So for those not on not watching on video, just on audio. I'm just kind of going through the website right now. And then you have direct access to Casey's email, so that's pretty cool. So a minimum 3 months from 50 to 525. So you got 50 monthly, 150 for 3 months, 285 for 6 or you can go uh annual and then you got your premium Just that big step up do you want to walk us through what premium would sound like for people
1: yeah look, premium is pretty much exactly the same so the weekly sort of coaching calls are like open to everyone all members whereas the premium you get you, you, it's a personalized coaching call so every every two weeks we sit down and we have half an hour where we chat about whatever you want to chat about and we go through any videos that you've you know recorded in the last little bit and we set up like a personalized training program and you know drills and skills and stuff to get you sort of ready to go um so it's just a more personalized thing and not everyone's as confident in the group format so for those that are a bit more i guess shy and just want the the best information for themselves then the premium is sort of what i recommend
0: beautiful and then you got camps clinics you got workshops sup lessons downwind sup lessons sup and prone foil downwind foil
1: learned a wing ding that's always pretty good cool that's awesome so if anyone's ever in sydney i do like in-person lessons too which um i actually get a few people that like they'll holiday to sydney and they'll like know that i live here and they'll be like oh james are you around I'm in sydney for a week you're gonna do a lesson so if anyone's ever in sydney in australia and i happen to be home at the time we can definitely catch up for a for a one-on-one which is always a bit of fun but there's also the camps and the clinics and um Yeah, looking at running a few this year. Actually, I'll end up in Europe later in the year in August, September, and so I'm going to run a few things over there, and I'm in Hawaii in July, so I'm looking at running a few things over there as well. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to North America, like mainland, I guess. Um, Definitely be flying through at some stage. Um, The the code team are going to be you know, the Hood River and um, the Gorge Challenge and AWSI, but it's kind of a bit of a busy year. I go to the, M- the Maldives in um, June for a, a foil camp on a like a big luxury boat with uh, moon tours, That's which is... That's going to be fun. Yeah, which has been a, been a fun one I did. Um, before COVID, I was doing stand-up sort of tours over there with moon tours, and and uh, last year we sort of trialed a bit of foil and stand-up, and then this year it's just, just foil. So we're going to try to um, see if we can find some uncrowded sort of foil zones and definitely not limiting it just to surf zones. All the channels where the, you know, the atolls of the water runs out, the wind's going along, it's epic bumps for winging and downwind foiling and, you know, dock starting off the boat into the bumps. And there's a few different ways to, to sort of have fun over there and with, you know, with, with a you know, live aboard boat and, you know, a dinghy and we have a jet ski as well. So it's going to be some fun, that's for sure. Oh, that
0: would be amazing. Yeah, all right, so just head on over to your coach. So it's
1: uh what's your URL for that for people at home? It's com. So kaysaus.com. And um, yeah, check that out cuz it's uh yeah, so it's, it's it's a fun one. I actually just came back from the Moto as well. And that was a pretty fun trip. Um, if anyone's never heard of the Moto, you need to. <laughs> the Moto is pretty it's like uh, it's Disneyland for ocean sports. Um, and an island basically sandwiched between four or five like world-class surf breaks, you know, cloud break, um, restaurants, Nemotu lefts, laughs, wilks, um, swimming pools, there's all these spots that are just like awesome waves on their day for surfing but then if it's windy or if it's closer, like smaller, it's amazing for foiling. So um, you can actually book me as a coach at Namoto um, and the Nemo website as well. So you want to head over there and work on some some any sort of foil or surf or stand-up stuff, which is a pretty cool opportunity as well. Like this place. Yeah, that's it. That's the Little Island. Yeah, that's an Amatu yeah.
0: Island resort. Whoa. All right, for folks at home that aren't on YouTube, you might want to hop on YouTube to watch this. This place is phenomenal. Whoa,
1: that would be pretty sweet. It's a little, little tiny spot, eh? Tiny island. Actually, I was... I've only been there once and um, it was only about a month ago. And um, I actually never walked around the entire island just because I was too busy doing stuff. <laughs> We're just like <laughs> flat out. All that over there. But basically, um, I guess the left side of the island, if you're looking at it, like the, the, the sandier side of the island is where you get on and off. And um, there's basically snorkeling and it's, there's foil aids right at the front there too. Um, but anyway, it's it's amazing it's it's somewhere that it's got to be on the bucket list to show um the it's a cool place okay good to know well hey james thanks
0: for uh thanks for taking time out of your sunday morning to talk to us over here in north america and um stoked to see and try out your foils i'm gonna tell george we had the time to chat and i'm really looking forward to trying these puppies out
1: yeah no I'm really excited and yeah thanks everyone for who's gotten behind us so far it's been a uh not even quite not even a year yet since we launched, but it's about about nine months about or maybe even less. Sort of eight, eight, seven, eight months since we launched and it's been a it's been a journey and you know everyone that's you know been a part of it just asking questions, interested about the code for stuff or having, you know, tried it or even bought it. Um, thanks for your support because uh it's we're growing and it's you know, it's only gonna get bigger and better from here. So uh yeah, really appreciate it awesome man all right hey everybody thanks for joining us
0: tonight and uh stoked to see you all next time